0: Okay, this morning I'm just going to read from uh, 1 Peter, 1 Peter the 4th chapter, 1 Peter chapter 4, and uh, we're going to start in verse 4, in verse 7 I should say, 1 Peter uh, chapter 4 verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Can we just imagine this? As far as God was giving him truth and to write it down, this is the Spirit of God that told Peter to write this down. Now, in writing this down, these things that we're going to read this morning, he wrote them down for our admonition. If he wrote it back then, what is it now? The end of all things is at hand. Be you therefore sober, And watch unto prayer. Now above all things, have fervent agape love, not charity, agape love among yourselves. For this love, this self-sacrificial love, this agape love, this kind of love will cover, it will, the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Verse 10, now as every man has received the gift, and this speaks of specific gifts that God has given to each of us. Even so, let him minister. Even so, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the many-sided, poitilos, the many-faceted, manifold grace of God. Verse 11, if any man speak, and let him, really, I don't even think should be there at this point, but anyway, it says, if any man speak, let him speak, and it's really not plural in the original, it's not the oracles of God, it is the oracle of God, and that's Christ. God has one oracle, he has one thought, and that's Christ. As the oracle of God. If any man minister, listen to what it says, let him do it as of the ability which God gives. In other words, when God gives us a gift, he gives the supernatural ability for that gift to function in and through us to God's glory, our blessing, and the blessing of multitudes in the context. So we're, we're only to do the gift, with, and the gift will be commensurate with the ability to do it. So if God doesn't give us the ability to do certain things, then we know right there that that's not the gift that that God has given us. Although he has given each of us a gift, there's no question about that. Because each of us in Christ are a gift in and of itself. But then he gives gifts in Ephesians 4, 8 to 11. Specific gifts, and those gifts... in in that context, in Ephesians 4, 8, and 11, are men, uh, to to bless everybody. Now, so if he speak, let him speak as the oracle of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion unto the ages of the ages. Verse 12, Beloved, all of you in Christ, all of you believers this morning, this morning, all of us, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Notice it's called a fiery trial, which is is, is what is to try you, to test you, as, go, as gold is tested by the goldsmith or the, the smith, the master of the smith. Gold put to fire, that's what job was that's what he had in in mind through the holy spirit in job twenty three ten God tests us to bring out the purity of who Christ is in us, and in first peter one seven again, again knowing that the trying over your faith is more precious than gold. and so what the goldsmith would do is he would put the 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 gold, he would put it into a fire. And then all the impurities would come, would rise to the top and he would scrape it out. And this would be a continual process until finally when the goldsmith would look in, he would see the reflection of his face. (laughs) And that's how God ministers to us as we grow. And that's what it's talking about here. To try you as though some strange, and strange here is some foreign, some foreign thing happened unto you but rejoice rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers listen of Christ's sufferings again this is not suffering for sins this is suffering righteously that's righteous suffering suffering and we can see that again even when Jesus was speaking in Matthew chapter 5 verses 4 to 12 there's righteous suffering suffering righteously so of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory will be revealed, that you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now, if you be reproached, what, what this is talking about here, the Holy Spirit would have us to understand, if you, rep- if you are, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, meaning if you have an experiential depth and desire for the very person of Christ, that's what name means, the very person of Christ and the work that he's accomplished, you will be reproached. Why? And this is the reason why. And we will see this as we see these scriptures here. And this again is Psalm 69 and verse 9. It says this, For the zeal of your house has eaten me up. This is in prophecy of the nation of Israel in their zeal. And remember what Paul said through the Holy Spirit and and the zeal. And for us to understand here in Psalm 69, 9, where it says the zeal of your house has eaten me up. That's what Paul, through the Holy Spirit, obviously the Holy Spirit through Paul, I should say rather. And that's what he is speaking about even here. And this has to do with us with our sufferings that are apportioned to us. This has to do with, this is Romans 10, verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, those of my own country, is is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but it's not according to the knowledge. And that knowledge, of course, is Christ. And they rejected him in John 1.11. For they being ignorant, ignorant pride by the way, the pride of ignorance, God's righteousness, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, their fleshly righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God of which Christ is in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30. So in Psalm 69 verse 9, before we get back to First Peter, the fourth chapter, for the zeal of your house has eaten me up and the reproaches of them that reproached you are fallen upon me. This is teaching right here. Propitiation, substitution, and reconciliation. But first and foremost, it's teaching propitiation. Everything, their hatred for God, And their sins and evil, rebellion and stubbornness fell upon Christ to propitiate the Father in Genesis 22 in verse 8. This has to do with the name of Christ that we would be reproached for. And it says then, For the zeal of your house, in Psalm 69, has eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach you are fallen upon me. And that's John 1, 29. Behold the Lamb of God that will take away the sin, that's propitiation to a, towards the Father, the sin of the world, all the evil in its summation. First, the Father had to be propitiated before He could give us His Son in His love, love gives, John three 16, 1 John four ten. so that He could give us His Son to be a substitute, that we could be reconciled. And that's why all of us are already reconciled to God through Christ and reconciled to one another as far as God's concerned. But they have fallen upon me. Verse 10, listen to it. When I wept and when, and I don't believe, (laughs) chastening here is not at all what we think okay, he never needed to be chastened, okay, he said, when I wept, when I wept, when and and pouring out my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach, meaning, because he gave himself to God in this measure, when he gave himself with his soul with fasting, okay, the answer for, not God's answer, but their answer, others, humans, the wicked, their answer was, that's your reproach. And this is what it's teaching here. So to understand Psalm 69, 9 and 10, we need to see Romans 10, 1 through 3, because obviously in Romans 10, 4, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to them that believe and receive. So back, back to First Peter, the fourth chapter, we just we just needed to get that understanding i believe from god for us so in in this sense here we see again in 1 peter 4:12 so why beloved you that are in christ why do you think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you didn't and it's it's like the holy spirit through jesus is saying Didn't I tell you in John 15, 18, if they hated you, they hated me before they hated you? Didn't you know that? Didn't you know it? And didn't we understand it in John 15? Didn't we understand Jesus was teaching even them now, his disciples, to teach them again? But this, in John fifteen twenty five. But this has come to pass, that the word might be fulfilled, that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. Meaning, no love. My love. And so what this is teaching us here this morning is brought out in these scriptures. In Psalm 35 and verse 19. In Psalm 69 and verse 4. And bringing it out in detail, in detail, in in, in precise detail, in Psalm 109. And let's read it. I'll read it for you. Psalm 109. Verse 1, it says, Hold not your peace, O God of my praise. For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the the deceitful are opened against me. They have spoken against me with a lying tongue. Yes, yes. Psalm of David, but not written in the spirit of Christ. Here it is, verse 3. They compassed me about with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. Verse 4. For my love, they are my adversaries, but I, I give myself to prayer. They have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. What makes us think that it would be any different than us? Than for us, I should say? Why do you think it's strange, then, concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, which is to bring out the purity of Christ and your privilege in Second 2 Timothy 2.12, the A part, to suffer with him now, to reign with him not only now, but for all eternity? That's why in Romans 8, verse 18, I reckon, logizumai, I count it all up, That the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us and on us and all around us. All around us. But, but then, it says, so some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings we are to be partakers colossians 1 and verse 24 we all we all have a part of those sufferings that would have come just to christ now that we receive him now that we receive him that's part of that's part of glory that's part of our glory in christ why listen Philippians 1 and verse 28. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, where they're headed, but to you of, of salvation and that of God. Verse 29. For unto you, and this is what God is speaking to us today and counseling us and having us to understand these things so that we don't question anymore, but we live in a present reality it is given unto you on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe and depend upon him for everything, but also to suffer in his place for his sake. That's what it teaches us. And again, they are portioned out. They're portioned out. And we can see it again, even in the scriptures. This is 1 Thessalonians. Again, we can see it, First Thessalonians Uh, 3 and verse 3, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. Now, afflictions can be, we become afflicted, not for righteous suffering, but for the suffering of sins. But in Christ, for His glory, there's a suffering of righteousness and glory that we will experience with him when in First Corinthians thirteen twelve, we see him face to face. And that always speaks of an intimate, individual, personal, intimate exchange of fellowship, feasting on hidden manna and a white stone in Revelations 2 and verse 17. That no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourselves, know that we are appointed thereunto, even when we are afflicted for sin. In Psalm 119, 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But God doesn't want us going astray in sin. So he'll afflict us so that we get right back into a proper position where he wants to bless us with eternal blessings and glory, suffering righteously. Suffering righteously, and again, we see it very clearly here again, but in verse fourteen and first Peter four verse fourteen, but and if you be reproached psalm sixty nine nine psalm sixty nine twenty for the name of Christ, his person and his work being revealed in you as a vessel, that treasure, in second corinthians four seven Okay, then happy are you. Happy are you for the, listen, for the Spirit of glory and of Christ rests upon you presently in the midst of your trial, undeserved suffering. But suffering, the Spirit of glory, of God, and of glory rests upon you, finds a place to rest in you. Isn't it amazing? On their part, he is evil spoken of, meaning they speak evil of you because you're one with him. But on your part, in your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. See, this is wrong suffering, suffering because of sin, as a thief or an evildoer, or even as a busybody in other man's matters. Boy, oh boy, that's a big one. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. There's no shame in righteous suffering. And when you suffer righteously and you know you're confessed up to date in 1 John 1, 9 and Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4, if you know you're confessed up to date and you suffer, then this is what God wants you to know. There's not to be any shame. He's giving us clear counsel and definition. You see, we all need specific definition with the word of God. We do. We need it specifically. But let him glorify God, see, on, his, on this behalf. Now here, this is what it's teaching us. For the time has come that judgment must begin in the house of God. Now, this is to be crystal clear. Is there any judgment for us? Never. The way to understand where it says this in the King James is not judgment or punishment, it's chastisement and correction. This crystal clear. You're not being punished for your sins. Your sins and my sins, if I function in them that have already been paid for by Christ, that, that'll, there'll be all kinds of areas where the enemy can come in with his lies and condemn and accuse us. But not God Malachi three six James 1.17 Hebrews thirteen verse eight He doesn't change his mind about us in Christ never does never does but the time has come and boy if it came then when this was written what time is it now? What time is it now? To procrastinate? to wonder, to try and figure things out before we trust him by faith, when he speaks to us, no. Go forward and trust him as he speaks to me personally and hopefully to all of us together. Time has come that that loving chastisement must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what will the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? For if the righteous scarcely be saved, where, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer, listen to this, according to the will of God, commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing in well as unto a faithful Creator. Now, this is what this is teaching us. In First Peter, we see that you and I, you and I have, we, in 2 Peter 1.19, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Again, to understand this, prophecy has to do with the earth. Prophecy has to do with God's judgment on all of those that are outside of Christ. There's no judgment for us. That's why we don't go through the tribulation period. In Revelations 3 and verse 10, we are delivered from, and the word there is not dia, through, it's ek, out of. Because in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 and in 1 Thessalonians 5.9, he has, has delivered us from the wrath to come because the, because the holy wrath of God pertaining to our sins was poured out On Jesus Christ. And he died for us. He died as us. And dealt with all of our sins. Because he propitiated the Father. So that he could be the substitute. Whereby we already are. Reconciled to God. We are on our way. To eternal glory. And it even rests upon us. Right now. Thinking with God. just Just how the scriptures. Have revealed this to us. We have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you, all you in Christ, you and me, do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shines. That's Christ in us, the light. John eight twelve, He's the light. First, first John one five. In him he's the light, and in him is no darkness at all. And the darkness in John one five did not overwhelm the light. No. And he's the light in John 1, nine that lights every man that comes into the world. There's no, there was no light in man that he had, there was not a speck of light in man after his fall. I'm going to make that crystal clear, like some teaching, quietism and, all, and Quakerism and all of this. There was no spark of light in them at all that he could gain light. It was a complete and utter ruined fall when he appeared in John 1 and verse 9. He is that light. He's the light. That light that we are now in Christ, in our character, in 1 John 1, 7. And that's why whatever make, discovers, in in Ephesians 5 and verse 13, is light. It's light. So awake, you that sleep. In passivity and in procrastination. Procrastination. Awake, because the time is short. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? I'll tell you what we're waiting for. In Second Timothy two, huh, for huh, for the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us in Titus two eleven to deny all ungodliness. That's unbelief. Stop looking for evidence. Stop looking to try and figure it out. Obey. See, because our view is to be vertical. That's 2 Timothy 2, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Watch how it proceeds. And so we have a more sure word of prophecy. Until the day dawn, oh boy, and the day star arise in your hearts. And that happens right now with suffering and glory. See, there's no glory without the day star. That's Christ. That is Him. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And These are the things that this is teaching. It's teaching this. In 2 Peter 1.19, there are two ideas here that are being revealed. There are two ideas, but not two subjects. Not two. Two ideas. Because we know this. Do you remember what Jesus said? And this is what he said. Because in the night, as to the government of this world, it has to do with prophecy. Now, what's the night here? The night here is what Jesus was saying. That's why we believe that all Scripture is inspired of God, is breathed out, and is profitable to for all of us. The whole preponderance of it. Now, Jesus said in John 9 and verse 4, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. We're not working, we're receiving the life in us that does the work. No man can. As long as I am in the world, in us, I am the light of the world. And they hated me when I walked, because men love darkness and not the light. You'll see this in John 3, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. Clearly, clearly clearly brought out because you're under one government or the other very clearly and that's what he said but we see very clearly here in the night that's the night of his physical absence is he absent in us? Colossians 1.27 absolutely not Christ in you now the hope the guarantee of glory but passing through suffering. And so here we see this very, very clearly. In the night, as to the government of this world system has to do with prophecy, and it always speaks of God's judgments, but he's giving us light as to it. He gives us light to it, and it helps our soul, it helps our understanding to have a better understanding of the dawning of a day on that soul that gives us the spiritual understand, understanding and what is it that he's coming soon so he's teaching us if Paul and the scriptures bear it out when you study it in isagogical truth and when you study it in the Koine Greek New Testament in First Thessalonians 4 13 to 18 when Paul that's the first epistle That that the Holy Spirit had him to write. When he wrote that, he believed that Christ was coming back in his day. He believed that that's when the rapture was going to actually take place. What is it now? The signs of it are everywhere. Blatantly in our country. Everywhere. Just look up into the sky and we can see it. We can see it. There's signs, there's little signs here. And of course, signs, we don't need signs. In 1 Corinthians 14, 22, signs are for them, not for them that believe, but for them that believe not. We don't need signs. We have absolute faith dependence through the light of the dawning of Christ, who is the Word given to us this morning and given to us in the Scriptures through God, the Holy Spirit. And so, what is it? God is ready to judge This world system. Not us. But he's ready to judge this world system. He's ready to judge it. Why? Because he's already exalted. And the fact that Christ is already exalted. And exalted in us. In 1 Peter 5 verse 6. Listen. Listen. Please. Humble yourselves. Under the mighty hand of God. That speaks of direction. That speaks of the specifics for God's will in each of our lives. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in His due time. In His due time. Humble yourselves. Be humble about it and trust Him. And so, again, He's already exalted in us. He's that light that dawns in us. He wants us to understand this. Which is the fact that he's already been exalted through what he accomplished on the cross and his person and the work that he finished. It's accomplishment. But that accomplishment and everything that we have in Christ doesn't need prophecy. Because it's not for us. It's for us to understand. It's God's timepiece for us to have understanding about how close it is that we're going to be raptured in instantly in His presence. Yes, without a doubt. But that accomplishment to us, the light that's dawning on us is what? It's the presentation of the person of Christ already come and known. I mean We know Him. We know He's everything. We know He's all in Colossians 3.11. And there'll come a time when in 1 Corinthians 15 and 28, when He with us will have His Father to be all in all, God Himself, when heaven and earth are united. And we see that in, in, in Revelations 4 and verse 3 by the, the cyclical, of uh, the, the circle of the, of the uh, emerald around the throne ruling now. Remember? the promise of god that he wouldn't flood the earth in in genesis 9:13 and 14 well once judgment is completed on the earth now it's just nothing but the full promise of god through jesus christ that's brought out in revelation 4 and verse 3 and we can see it crystal beautifully crystal clear in john uh, in revelations the twenty first chapter, and that's what it's speaking of, even there we see it very, very clearly and I saw a new heaven and john, in john revelations twenty one one I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away in terms of their what they were uh, prepared, and there was no more sea and I John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. These truths are what, are what are ours. And we, in prophecy, We do we need prophecy? We need to understand it, but it's not about us. It isn't about us, because Christ has already come for us, and we know Him. He's known. With whom we have to do. Our whole life has to do with Him. Him and us, and us and Him even before the coming day of judgment, which will close prophecy in accomplishment. It's going to close it. And so, what is this speaking of? Both of these teachings, us, Christ being exalted already, and working out prophecy and getting it ready, Getting the earth ready and those that are, dwell there to be judged. You'll see that all through Revelations. especially, And you'll see it specifically in verses 6 to 18. Chapters, I should say. In Revelations 6 to 18, which have nothing to do with the church. You don't even see it again until Revelations the 19th chapter. Church does not go through the tribulation period. Nonsense. Nonsense does not have to do. Nonsense has to do with not having to do with the person of Christ and the work that he's accomplished. But both of these teachings are the intermediate state consequent on the position taken by Christ as he's been exalted between prophecy and the day. And who is Christ? He is For us, our morning star. Do you see? The morning stars, it's still the sun isn't out yet. And the stars, the morning stars, just before the morning star is Christ in us. When finally, when finally we will see this, we will see this truth, and we will see it crystal clear in Malachi the fourth chapter. We will see it very, 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 very clearly that right now he's the morning star. But soon, but soon, in Malachi 4 and verse 1, for behold, the day comes, the day of judgment, that will burn as an oven and all the proud and all that do wickedly will be stubble. And the day that comes That comes will burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that reverence my name, Christ, the person of Christ himself, honoring his father as one, my name, the name of Christ and the work that he's accomplished, will the son of righteousness, now the sun is out. But right now we have the morning star. But soon prophecy is going to be fulfilled. And Malachi the fourth chapter brings out the reality of Revelations the 19th chapter. But the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. And he's speaking this to Israel because that's who he's dealing with in prophecy. That's who he's dealing with. He's getting the earth ready for the millennial reign for for the Jewish nation that are true Israel true Israel, with healing in his wings and they'll grow up as calves of the stalls and you will tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I will do this and you will see this truth brought out in Zechariah the 14th chapter here. And so here as we begin to wrap this up this morning, God is, wants to exhort us and and admonish us this morning concerning you and I that we need to realize, us right here, all of us listening, right here, as he spoke it to those in the day, early beginnings of the church, that we must realize indeed that the end is near. For the last days... Listen, this is where we are, folks. For the last days, according to to scriptures, are not, listen, Christians, oh my God, are not days of ease and comfort. This It's not days of ease and comfort. Making us a, a comfortable little pillow in the world system. It's not to be that way. For the people of God. They are not days of the prevalence of good but of evil, that's Ephesians 5.16, redeeming the time. He's doing this through the truth with us right now and telling us his plan in detail. Redeeming the time, because the days, if they were evil, when the Holy Spirit had Paul write it then to the church of Ephesus, the days are evil. Evil there is not kakos, it's poneros, evil, inactive opposition, and hatred to God's divine good. Redeem the time. Go into the slave market of sin and redeem them. Pull them back. Read. Read in how we do it in Jude 20, 21, 22, 23, and 24. Pulling them out of the fire. That's how close people are to hell. And I should seek a comfortable place. Why do we think that God blesses us? Why do do we think he blesses us with these material things? For ease and comfort? No, for his work to be accomplished. That's the truth of the matter. And so, as we see here very clearly, very clearly here, that we're not to think it strange. No, these fiery trials that are to try us. These fiery trials. Why do we think it's strange then? That the trial through which you and I should pass, was it some strange thing that happened to those three Hebrew boys in Daniel 3, 17 to 25? They were in the midst of a a, a trial, in the midst of it. Was it a time to quit? Was it a time to exalt ourselves? No, no, they saw, those without, saw the fourth man in the fir- their furnace being revealed. And the fire did not touch on them. All it did was purify them. By the way, they went in there tied, bound, strong, and they came out without anything. They, come out, they came out as gold. The fire didn't even, there was no odor of the fire on their clothes, and all it did was burn off what constrained them what the enemy meant for evil. God meant for good in Genesis 50 and verse 20. And so we see this very, very clearly this morning. We see it clearly that that trial, what makes us think that we're not to feel it? God wants us to feel that. Christ felt it. And it's been apportioned to us. That's being one with him. Why do we think that's strange? these health problems, and these different things, and all of that. I'm not talking about suffering because of sins. Suffering righteously, which is, a, which is an unbelievable privilege that He would even give that to us. Not only save us, deal with our sins, deal with our eternity, but give us the position of reigning with Him because of it. It's incredible. What are we? Where's our thinking on these things? Where is our mind? Is it on the earth? No, set your mind on things above. Colossians 3.2 Not on things in the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. For Christ who is our life, when he appears, we will also appear with him in glory. Colossians 3.1-4 In his love he wants to wake us up. And it's to be felt. We're to feel it. A trial is meant to try. Yes. Yes. Sometimes, sometimes we need to touch the stove and feel it. We need it. You better believe it. And my God will supply in Philippians 4 and verse 13 all your need according to the limitless riches and glory that he has. And if there's glory, there's the need of suffering and trying, and it's to be felt. Why do we think it's so strange? Some foreign thing. Well, the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, no, if we're to be the followers of Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, the Lord of glory, and we to follow him, then why would we think it's strange? Why do you and I think that the enemy tries to inhibit and stop the plan of God in our lives? Why do we think that? Is that strange? Do we, does he not do that? Does he not, want, does he not want the word to come out? Does he not want the word of God and the work of God to go forward? Well, he's going to give us every kind of thought against it. Against it. Everything about it. Why do we think it's so strange? Well, truth of the matter is, this has to do with the the Lord of Glory. Therefore, Christians either find a good place in the world instead of tribulation or in the midst of tribulation find the goodness of God, Christ, and intimacy in their life because He's everything. We're not taking a thing off this earth. You and I, in terms of our time, our finances, listen, to think that we could ever outgive God. Stop it. And that's what God's saying to me. You stop that. And he spoke to, and and he's speaking to all of us, and he spoke to me this morning, you go forward in my plan for you, this is what I have for you, and not this. Stop it. Stop it. Don't doubt it for a second. I'll even give you the people to back it up. (laughs) To be the answer when all the other lies against you come in. And this is true for each of us. We become the joint that supplies. That's what we become. Well, here it is. Here it is. We either find a good place in the world. If we find a good place in the world, who's who? You know what that's revealing? In Ephesians 4, verse 27, give no place to the devil. He wants to replace Christ in your experience with a place of ease and comfort and no tribulation on this earth. But if you suffer with me, you will reign with me. But if you deny me, I will also deny you. That's not salvation. That's the denial of those rewards in 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15, and in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, and in Romans 14, 10 through 12. That's denying. So things in time, suffering in time, for all eternal glory. How does it compare? How does it compare? Well, here it is. I'm going to wrap this up. I still have 14 minutes. Well, what do we find? God does not want you and I to be taken out of the path that Christ walked for each individual. That's right. That path, you watch the path and the greater degrees of light in it in Proverbs 4 and verse 18. You you read it. You read it. The Lord is my light in Psalm 27 and verse 1. He's my salvation. Who am I going to be afraid? I mean, I'm going to be afraid to trust him. I'll tell you where the fear comes from and the lack of trust. It's our own thoughts. It's our own thoughts. Then we think we've got to figure things out before we obey. The fact of the matter is, it's not the way it is for any of us. But He has a path for us to walk in. Not out of those circumstances which made that path what it was. And in the, in the path of our circumstances and situations, we as the dot, God as the circle there has to be the working in of his love through patience. And that's the way we get those Greek words, macrothumia, dealing with evil and negative people without retaliation or hatred expressed towards them. And circumstances and situations in hoopamoni. And that's just the truth of the matter. And so what do we see here again? All this all this that God's teaching us here is would only make us to see the coming of glory and to expect it and to live in that expectation. Now, that's what Psalm sixty-two five says: "My soul waits you upon God, for from Him comes my expectation. From Him comes my expectation." We're to expect it and then experience the rejoice, the rejoicing of it, and the in and the and the depth and height of the joy that will be revealed. Now to be reproached, again, to be to be reproached for the name of Christ involves itself, listen to this, a necessary blessedness. It is necessary for us to suffer for God to bless us. It's not a works thing at all. It's receiving the portion of Christ's sufferings for us for us to be glorified because where did all the glory come from? Christ in us what? The guarantee of the glory in 1 one twenty-seven. So what do we have? Listen to what it says here For the spirit of glory and of God rest upon right now, listen, right now upon those who suffer that way and what is it that we're learning with these two things? And this is what I'm learning. Oh, my desire is not to fail him. Not even in one single thing. While he, the day is dawning in me, it's lighting it up. It's getting brighter and brighter until I see him face to face. It's getting brighter and brighter. Brighter and brighter. Brighter. And the closer I get, personally, the less I do not want to fail him. I don't. And when we do thank God for first John one nine, but it's supposed to be a very strange thing in first John two one to even do so. Well, Christ will not fail those that are his, whose desire is not to fail him. He will fulfill that desire. And Psalm thirty seven verse four. Listen, and we're going to close because there's so much more that we need to get into on this subject on Thursday. But the truth of the matter is this. The truth of the matter is this. That when you delight yourself in the Lord, that always speaks of obedience. Instant obedience. Instant, not delayed. Instant obedience. Because it's not the word the most important thing in us. When God speaks the word to us, isn't that not the most important thing? Well, should I delay it? Listen. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Then, with that desire, walking in obedience and the implementation of that obedience, then you'll roll all these other, your care, all these other thoughts that aren't of him, on him. You'll cast down imaginations. God tells this thing. In comes all the imaginations now. Oh, ah, ah, ah. And all the imaginations for the believer who, who doesn't submit to Christ is all the imaginations and the reasons why the flesh does not want to get involved. It's a very sad thing. It's very sad. Truth of the matter is, God wants to, literally, wants to glorify His Son in us, which is amazing. Cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Did God give you specific knowledge? Don't you, you think it's strange then that the enemy is going to come in against that? And by the way, they are not your thoughts or my thoughts. They're not. They're the enemies. They're the enemies. That's crystal clear. Because you and I are a Christian, because you and I are in Christ, because we are, there is no cause for shame because the cause is God's love that's done away with it. There's no shame positionally. doesn't want it experientially. So it is given to each individual in Christ. Every man of God and every woman of God, it is given On the contrary to shame, to glorify God. And he will be. He promises that he will be most manifested and most manifestly glorified in the obedience of that one soul. And I'm going to tell you, this is what I know about my life. This is what I know firmly about my life. My obedience doesn't just affect me. It affects everybody else. Just like if I sin, it doesn't just affect God, and it does, first and foremost, in Psalm 51, verse 4, but it affects every single other believer. There's Listen, there's no time to procrastinate. There's, no, there's not much time for us. There's not much time. It is given to us. It is given to us. And so, Father, we thank you so much for what you've given to us, this morning father have your way with us oh please god have your way please father and let us be obedient to the manifestation and revelation of your will and let's not doubt he that doubts is damned if he eat because he's eating not of faith whatsoever is not of faith is sin it's the self-life and it would be the flesh in us and god let us not let us not let's be happy and for, in Romans 14:22 happy is the man that makes the Lord his trust we can see that in Jeremiah 17:5 through 8 thank you and praise you Lord this morning and we look forward to continuing what you have for us in this in Jesus name amen